The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Peterman picked off Joseph and he will go! Touchdown! <laughs> Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. All right, hey Bills fans, welcome to another episode of the Circling the Wagons podcast. The only podcast that thinks the Nathan Peterman experiment is over and it's time to move on. I'm your host, Nate, and this is our Recap Edition podcast, where we will discuss the Bills losing to the Houston Texans 20-13 to in Houston. I'm joined by my co-hosts and high school buddies, John and Mike. Fellas, are you ready to dissect this loss? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> How about you, Mike? Nate, can't wait to talk about this one. Nice. Okay, great, great. Well, before we get into this game, um, I just want to thank the listeners for the feedback they've given us. In regards to our podcast, joining the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network at SB Nation and Vox Media, um, we we're just really humbled by the kind tweets and emails from listeners. And like I mentioned last podcast, BuffaloRumblings.com was one of our favorite bill sites for news and info way before we even had a podcast. So um, when they approached us with the opportunity, we just couldn't say no. So um, a year ago, we were just three buddies talking about the bills around a microphone. Um, but you know, we upgraded equipment, ironed out the finer details. Now we are one of the biggest, uh, Bill's podcasts out there. So, uh, so yeah, also, um, the kind words reminded me that there are listeners that, uh, enjoy what we do here. So we would appreciate you guys leaving us a review for us on Apple podcasts, Google play or wherever you listen to us. So hit subscribe, tell a friend, uh, we do this all year round. So keep listening. We appreciate it. So anyway, getting back into this game, into this loss, it's always fun, to recap a loss. Um, heading into this game, we were kind of hoping that they could continue what they had uh, started last week with the win against the Titans at home and kind of hoping that they could build off this, um, maybe start to progress offensively. And then, you know, I, I guess as, as far as the game goes, in my opinion, um, 
special teams were terrible. Um, I thought that the offense left a lot on the field too, as far as as far as progressing. I don't think that they really did a great job. Um, again, that was a, a huge weakness for the team this week um, on the road. I, I mean, Sean McDermott on the road has just not had a good record. Just an all around tough game for the Bills in Houston. There were just so many small plays that really cost the game, and I was very disappointed in the team. And obviously, then Nathan Peterman comes in after Josh Allen gets injured, and it was the game after that. You thought after the first touchdown, maybe to to Zay Jones, maybe they had something. Maybe Peterman can somehow recollect his career and start over again. And, of course, he throws two interceptions, um, one being a pick six. When the Bills were had the had the game tied at thirteen thirteen, and then, you know the 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 pick to basically end the game. So in saying that, those were my just general overall thoughts on the game. Um, John, what do you think? Did you disagree or, or agree with what, basically what I said? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I essentially agree. Right from the start, they had three muffed returns. And then, you know, the offense, you know, the line had its moments and, the you know, the receivers are what they've been. And, you know, Peterman came in, threw a couple of picks, and that's that. I mean, it, it, it was just bad. I mean, the defense pretty much did enough to win an, another game this week. They held the offense to only 13 points. You know, it would have been Absolutely. even it would have been even less than that if they hadn't had that muffed punt by Ray Ray McLeod early in the in the first quarter. So. Ah, so frustrating. Mike, did you pretty much agree with uh, John and my assessment? Yeah, but I mean, what a heartbreaker. Such a difference between three and three and two and four, right? Like you so hope they could have built on the couple of, uh, I, I hesitate to say surprising, but it, from a national perspective, surprising wins that they have had. Um, and then you get a team like the Texans who aren't one of those upper or even middle tiers of a kind of a fledgling team like the Bills too. And you'd really hope the Bills could have made a next the next step and built on something and have some momentum. And then you got Indy next week and there's another one. Then you're above 500. Um, and it's just, it's got to be soul crushing for that team. I mean, we knew the beginning of this season was really going to be the toughest part that the Bills would have to face. But you're right, Mike. Three and three and two and four is just so much Different. I mean, if they're three and three going against the one and five Colts next week, you're thinking, hey, maybe four and three going into New England in week eight, maybe four and four. All of a sudden, you know, they get past the hardest part in the schedule and they're 500, right? That's the best you could hope for almost. But now they're looking, you know, two and four. It's just, it's just a very steep uphill climb now. If you want to make it 10 and six or nine and seven, it's still possible, of course. It's just going to be a, a, a tough uphill climb. So we talked about, you know, different different reasons that we thought the Bills lost overall. Um, I want to talk about specifically just uh, let let if we could before the game happened, there was there was some big news uh, on the Bills Twitter community. I saw on Bleacher Report, you know, there was on CBS Sports that basically there was a report that Josh Allen was out there practicing pregame, you know, like they do. They practice routes with the wide receivers, and he was throwing routes to uh, Calvin Benjamin. He said, hey, man, do you mind staying a little bit later and throwing some extra routes? And Calvin Benjamin just basically said no and walked into the locker room. Now, this was kind of big news in the Bills community. I don't know if this is common. Personally, it's the first time I've ever heard of it. Um, But given how he's performed 
so far this season. John, before you and I were looking up the stats of Kelvin Benjamin before this game this season, and he had 100 yards basically in five games. And we've been very critical of Kelvin Benjamin in general this season for his, his either his motivation, his uninspiring play. It's just been really lackluster. So for him to you know shrug off Josh Allen, I know he's a rookie, um, but it just it just kind of went further far enough for me to say that I, I'm I'm okay with letting him go next season. I was pretty much okay with it for the last for the first five games of the season with how he's performed, but. I think when I heard that, I'm like, okay, this sounds like the reason. This sounds like a guy that that wanted to get traded or that got traded by his former team because of his attitude. Um, John, did you uh, agree with that assessment? Yeah, I yeah, I agree hundred percent. And I wasn't really surprised when I heard that. I mean, obviously, it's you know disconcerting, and it's not something that you want to hear, but. You know, I I don't think he's surprising. I mean, that it seems like that's his mo from. You hate to say from day one, but I would say from day one. Yeah, especially when his best game as a Buffalo Bill happened in the preseason. <laughs> so far, he's been so uninspiring all season. You're right. You're right, Mike. It hasn't been surprising. It's still disconcerting, though, to like John's point. It's just it's upsetting that we wanted this guy to be our our number one wide receiver, and it sounds like he doesn't even want to be here. You know. Yeah, he won't be on the team next year, and I don't know if he's going to be on any team next year the way he's been playing the last couple of seasons. Exactly. I mean, you would think that, like, so if you're on a team and your numbers aren't amazing and you don't think you're going to have a huge free agent year, I mean, as long as you put in a ton of effort with the team that you're playing with, you still have a chance to get a decent contract with the team you're playing with because you're already there and they might want to keep you. But when you come with that sort of attitude... And that sort of mentality now, when you're still in it, as opposed to you know being five games out of the division, you're you're looking at like a one year vet minimum contract, like Jordan Matthews got last year, you know. And then the difference there is Calvin Benjamin has been injured; he's just been terrible. So there was there was that obviously that you know basically it got it it, it raised. Let's, cut Let's get him off now. Let's send a message. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Hey, let's let's put Kelvin Benjamin out there. Let's cut him for that attitude, and let's cut Nathan Peterman for his terribleness in the game. As far as coming into this, oh jeez, let's let's talk about that real quick. Well, if you cut Peterman, what have you lost? Nobody else is going to pick him up. Exactly. You can have him back if you want. <laughs> Just sign him to the practice squad, right? Practice squad. Yeah, yeah, that was brought up. We brought that up on Twitter earlier this week. Like how. How come when Derek Anderson he would was not signed? be a third stringer on any team in the league? No, no. Is he is he the worst quarterback that the Bills have had? In He's the rec- worst quarterback in NFL history. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Wow. Geez. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's. It's, I think you're. I think the new thing kids are saying, John, is same. Like same. <laughs> same Z's. <laughs> same Z's. Yeah. It was. You know. I, and I feel bad. Personally, because I kind of defended him when he first came in, you know, I guess there was kind of hope. Um, we had a, a friend of the podcast, Nick, who basically said that um, it was like sh- the Bills have had Schrodinger's quarterback for like the last how many fifteen or twenty years, which is basically like the best quarterback is a quarterback that you don't know about. So he's always like the backup quarterback is always the best quarterback in Buffalo because you know that the first string quarterback isn't that good. So you're just hoping that the backup is is better. But with this, with Peterman, I mean, the experiment is over. He's done. He's, he's, 
he is an awful quarterback. I mean, there's no there's no more excuses for it. And I wonder if part of it is just Sean McDermott feels bad on a personal level because I think I kind of have a feel for how he is as a person because I, th- I think he feels bad that he put him in the situation where he failed in San Diego last season. Like he probably shouldn't have put him in that situation, but he did. And then, you know, after that, he's like, well, you know, he kind of, he kind of takes it personally. So, um, I think that's one of the reasons why the, he kept him on the roster to begin with. But I mean, you, th- there comes a point where as a coach or evaluator in general, where you just have to look at it and say, you know, this, this isn't working. He needs to find a new home. We need to move on. We have Derek Anderson now. Um, it's just, I, I, I'm not, I'm hesitant to say that Derek Anderson would have done or would have, you know, held the lead and, or gotten them the lead and then won the game for they, them. You don't think Derek Anderson would have been better than what you saw out of Peterman today. You could have put, Derek Anderson in there without knowing the playbook and he would have you don't even tell him the play and he would have been better <laughs> yeah there, well there's just been no progress with Peterman I mean this is the same guy besides the preseason again just like Calvin Benjamin preseason is his best football so far and yeah no I you're right you're right I I can't say how Derek Anderson would have been any worse than Nathan Peterman today and and saying that I mean all you had to do was not be Nathan Peterman, they might have won the game today, I think is what it comes down to. As sad as that is. <laughs> Let's go into... Well, they were in it, right? So the, yeah, I mean, isn't that, to your point about Peterman, like, how can you continue on? Like, look at look the other guys in the locker room in the eye and say, oh, we're putting the, our best foot forward, we're putting the best players, we're putting you in a position to succeed. I don't think you can do that next week with Peterman. No, especially when... The defense did enough of a job to win the game for them, and the offense comes out like this, especially Nathan Peterman. And, you know, this is kind of an extension of last season. I mean, you know, everyone wants to talk about the five-interception game against San Diego, which was obviously terribly— five-interception half. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you for the clarification. (laughs) The five-interception half. But then there was the playoff game. Do you remember when Peterman came in, when Tyrod got injured? in the uh the Jacksonville playoff game and he had he was one for three with one interception that he didn't lose them that game but he had the opportunity again like this game to win it for him and he didn't seize it and instead he lost them the game you know it was just uh, you're right you lose the locker room if you keep him on the on the team possibly or just you know if you if you start him next week because we don't know if Josh Allen's coming back so after that elbow injury which was a questionable, uh, questionable to me as far as if it should have been called or not as a penalty. It seemed a little late to me on replay, but uh, but let's go over the stats uh, of the game. So the stats of the game are brought to you by our T Public store. Um, Want to find some Bills gear that you can't find anywhere else on the internet for cheap, cheap prices? Check out tpublic.com/stores/ctwpod. All right. So one of the biggest stats um, that I thought of t- for today. All right. Well, let's 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 put. Let's put this into um, a little quiz, a little trivia for you guys. How many sacks did Buffalo have against Houston today? How many sacks did Buffalo have against Houston today? John, what's your guess? Four. Four sacks. Four sacks for the Bills against Houston. Mike? I have no idea. I was going to say four, John. What are the rules? (laughs) It's just closest. It doesn't have to be. We're not playing prices right rules. Yeah, just closes. Is it presses right rolls? No, it's not. It's yeah. not, or else, or else like Mike would back guess there all day. Or else Mike would guess like five every time, just one over whatever. You I gotta guessed. go five. I gotta go five. <laughs> 
Uh, it was seven. Seven wow. sacks for the Bills today. Yeah, pretty impressive. They had uh, the same amount of takeaways as the Texans did. Um, they each had two interceptions and one fumble recovery. Bills actually had more time of possession than the Houston Texans, 33 minutes to 27 minutes. But here, here's a here's one that I thought was actually, besides the special teams um, faults, besides um, Nathan Peterman, uh, penalties. Penalties were terrible today. They had 12 penalties today, which is just... I don't know. There's so many pre-snap penalties on this team as far as formations and lining up. And I'm like, does Brian Dable know that this is not college anymore? Like, does he know that professional offenses can't run certain formations? Or are the guys just that inept at actually lining up where they're supposed to on offense? Because that happened multiple times today. Um, it was very disconcerting, I think. As, as far as, you know, the Bills rushing attack... You guys are saying disconcerting a lot lately. <laughs> well, it was a very disconcerting game. <laughs> I just did it once. Oh, maybe I'm just piggybacking off piggybacking off uh, John's disconcerting. It was just such a good uh, such a good adjective. So, Lashawn McCoy, we were talking about you know needing to get his touches last week. He had 19 touches this week, 16 rushes for 73 yards, and then three receptions for 21 yards. The Bills' leading receiver, surprisingly, was Kelvin Benjamin. Two receptions for 43 yards. Then Zay Jones was next with three receptions for 35 yards and the only touchdown that the Bills had today. Um, the Texans, um, you know, limiting to Deshaun Watson to only 177 yards, you know, throwing today and one touchdown, two picks, and limiting Lamar Miller on the ground. 15 carries for 46 yards. I mean, that's nothing, you know. Then DeAndre Hopkins, although he had a pretty decent game, um, he was a leading receiver with only 63 yards. So it wasn't. Again, you know, Bill's defense really, really being solid today and limiting the playmakers. And Houston has a lot of playmakers on their team, including Deshaun Watson, a quarterback who was questionable all the way up into the game and uh, and ended up playing. And, you know, in a normal game, we talked about this, you know, with the Bill's Packers game. If you hold Aaron Rodgers to 22 points, you should be able to, with with an adequate offense, you should be in the game. With today... Only holding the Houston Texans offense to 13 points, you should be able to win that game with an adequate offense. Um, so some plays of the game that stood out to to us. Uh, I'll go first. Um, the Bills fumbled on the first kickoff return <laughs> to start the game. I mean, I feel like it kind of went downhill from there. There was the Ray Ray McLeod, you know, fumbled or he he basically took the the kickoff returned it and then fumbled it at the 20 yard line. Luckily it was recovered by Sierra Neal. So that was very disappointing to see that. Luckily it was recovered, but then, you know, the bills end up going, you know, they end up punting the ball over to Houston. Houston punts the ball back to the bills. Ray Ray McLeod really, he muffed that punt and set the the Texans up with great field position. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the one they scored the touchdown on. So, you know, the defense doing all they can do and, you know, just, you know, Having to go right back on defense as soon as Ray McLeod. You know, can I? I'm gonna. I gotta vent for a little bit as far as special teams goes because Sean McDermott has made that way too much of a priority in this team, um, and, and we kind of like trust the process. Okay, there's a reason why he's either signing guys or drafting guys specifically for you know the special teams. I mean, if you were to think about it, between you know, and, and John, you and I were discussing this earlier today with between Jeremy Curley and Rod Streeter. I mean, those guys are easily better wide receivers at this point in their careers over Ray Ray McLeod. Yet Ray Ray McLeod is on the roster because he's a special teams player. 
Yet he is awful on special teams, so he shouldn't have been on the roster. And instead of him taking up a roster spot, maybe they feel because they drafted him in the sixth round, they should keep him. But instead of that, now they they could have had a Jeremy Curley on the team or a Rod Streeter. And it's very disappointing to see that. I mean, it upsets me because their wide receivers are so bad. He doesn't add anything as a wide receiver, really, for this team. And not only that, he's he basically is a negative. He's deficient in the special teams category. And it's just, it's frustrating as a Bills fan to see that. I wish he had paid less attention to that. You know, as a coach, as a head coach, I wish they had put more emphasis. I mean, I mean, a good team, just think about a good team. You know, they basically take like the guys that they draft. And if you're a third or fourth safety or cornerback or wide receiver or whatever, and you're not good enough to be a starter, then you just become a special teamer. That's how it works. That's how it works on most teams. And usually the special teams coach is good enough so that he can take these guys and just make them decent special teamers. He doesn't need specific guys on his special team to be either be drafted or to be signed like Danny Crossman has. I don't know why Danny Crossman is still a head coach for this team. So I'm gonna that's 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 my vent on the special teams. I'm sure we'll 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 destroy him a little bit more. They they've not only have they not been good this season, which they haven't been, they've been very poor. So um, they haven't, and, and there've been absolutely, you know, no really great punt returns or kick returns. Like remember Bobby April back in the day when he was the, especially back in the day, it was like three or four years ago, <laughs> special teams coach. I mean, it was very exciting. The Bills might have like a, a punt return or at least a kick return touchdown. Like every few games, it was exciting. And the Bills haven't had that in a long time. It's very disappointing. I don't think it's a matter of that they don't have the players to do well. I think it's the coaching and possibly part of the players. So there was uh there was a fumble return, uh the fumble on the the kickoff return and then the fumble on the punt return that led to the Houston Texans first and only touchdown, well first and only offensive touchdown. The Bills were then just all they were just in the backfield nonstop. There were back-to-back sacks by Raphael Bush and Kyle Williams. Um I mean I, I there was a stat this let past week on Pro Football Focus that basically said that the Bills are a top 10 defense based on their stats. For And I just kind of thought, well, hey, you know, if you had taken the first game and a half out of the equation, the Ravens game and the first half of the Chargers game, this might be a top five unit, which is great because they finally hit their stride as far as the amount of money that they put into it as far as the, the free agents they signed in the offseason and, and the draft. The guys that they picked in the draft, Harrison Phillips, who had a who had a great um, fumble recovery today. Um, and then, of course, there was the... Uh, the hit on Josh Allen, which, you know, we talked about this last season, almost all last season, as far as CBS goes. But I mean, their coverage is terrible. They do not show replays when they need to show them, where they need to show them after questionable penalties or questionable non-penalties. It looks like they were at least, you know, in the first quarter. I don't know if it takes them a quarter or two to to get into rhythm to actually find out which plays to do replays for. But again, this week, it was just they were not showing. There was a, a, a holding call on Tredavious White earlier. They should have been a fourth down, but it kept the drive going for the Houston Texans. And it's like, hey, how about we see a replay on this? See if this was actually, you know, a, a penalty or not. Maybe it wasn't that one. It was it was a few others that it was just questionable, you know, why they weren't showing it. Terrible coverage on CBS. And I don't know if it's because we're not getting the A team, but I mean, A, B, C, and D and E team, you know, for CBS should be at least showing the replays of these questionable calls just so we, as fans, can see, hey, the Bills really screwed up there. Or hey, you know, the refs made a terrible call there. Um, obviously, there was the Nathan Peterman comes into the game. 
he starts to show some life. He throws a touchdown to Zay Jones in the end zone, which was a great pass. You know, as much as we railed on him earlier, it, that was a great pass. He threw a great pass in the corner of the end zone, only where Zay Jones could catch it. You're like, okay, you know, we're thinking like, hey, man, like we're willing to give you another chance, Peterman. Just like win this game for us, and all is forgiven. <laughs> you know, we'll give you the pardon. We'll like pardon your sentence, right? Um, but then after that, he throws the pick six to Jonathan Joseph. You know, then they're down twenty to thirteen, and you know, then they throw another pick to just end the game. And that's pretty much all I have for the game. W- were there any plays that stood out to you guys at all from the game that I didn't mention? Yeah, I think you pretty much hit everything um i mean not to pile on the special teams more but i think they that black punt too in addition to everything else yes yes thank you for the, there was a block punt too a guy went unblocked and he ended up blocking the punt yeah good call john more more to add to the special teams um you touched you touched on it real quickly but the clowny hit on allen was the play of the game because they got to our quarterback and that was that was the game. That was the difference. And as much as the defense got to Watson, I mean, you never want to see something, an injury happen, right? You want to beat their best guys, but he was coming in injured, very limited, um, playing in pain, and the Bills couldn't get to him in such a way to to make the difference in the game. I mean, they 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 got the two picks, they got a fumble, but there were t- when you're watching that game and he he's running around back there and holding the ball, right? Like so, the announcer saying like, "Oh, he's holding it like a loaf of bread," you know? Like I I don't know, it could be anything. But uh, it's just so loose, and you're like, do they do they ever work on that in practice? Like, just punch the ball out, go for the ball, don't go for the tackle. The ball's out far away from his body, being held with one hand. Like the fumble is the game, you know. Um, the sack is so. secondary. The sack is secondary. The, the the ball is more. I could. I don't care if Deshaun Watson is still standing up after you hit him, just as long as that ball's out there. I could care less. And other, it seems back. like other teams know that and and sometimes the bills that can be very frustrating when a quarterback is back there his outstretched arm and the defender goes to wrap him up or tackle the body like both hands knocking that arm like yeah. we see see that every week and all the highlights right that's how the ball comes out um and, and it doesn't seem like the bills get their fair share of those for sure not enough of them good point mike so since the bills lost today let's play the blame game Let's play everyone's favorite game, whether it's at work. I thought you were going to send out that email. Or at home. I thought you put out the trash. Or especially when your favorite team loses, it's time to play the blame game. Who do you have on your wall of blame this week? Who Who is basically, who would you, if you had to put someone or something or coaching on to the reason why the Bills lost today. Who would be on your wall of blame today? Um, I know we covered some of it today. I'll go first. <laughs> I'm going to go. Hey, it should be. P- if it's not Peterman, let's let's end it. <laughs> so, okay, Mike, Nathan Peterman, he's he's your, he's he's on the head of your he wall. He should be yours. He should be John's. Yo, oh, John's shaking his head. So, so that's a, that's a really... I, I mean, it's it's very tough to say anyone but that, but I think I think John has a good point. John, John, let's let's hear it. Who's on your wall of blame if it's John not Nathan Peter? John just likes to be contrarian, <laughs> just like Die Hard being the we best Christmas be movie, right? 
Die Hard being the best Christmas movie, John's got a. When everyone goes left, John goes right. So let's hear it, John. <laughs> First of all, Die Hard is the best Christmas movie. Ah, uh, debatable. Second of all, second of all, I'm going with Sean McDermott. Ooh. In he, every post game, he's saying how he, he's got to look at the tape. Maybe this time he actually should, for real, and look at the tape. Peter Berman should not be on the roster, right? Agreed. Twice even on the team. Agreed. He shouldn't have played today. No. No, he shouldn't have. It's it's too bad it wasn't maybe another week and it would have been Peterman that was inactive instead of Derek Anderson. So so okay so John is still with the whole Nathan Peterman thing, Mike. It was, we're we're good there. He just had like the bigger picture, <laughs> the guy who makes the charge, the guy who who calls the shots that thinks that he should get rid of Nathan Peterman, <laughs> and, and Danny Crossman, and secondarily Danny Crossman. That's fair. I think those are both uh, standouts. Hey hey, can we add? You know, if we're gonna add, you know, honorable mention, Ray Ray McLeod. He's really done nothing this season for the Bills offensively, and he's just been just a weakness on the special teams. So we're kind of hoping, you know, he's one of those guys that could be like a Percy Harvin or something, you know, a gadget-like player. That's kind of what he was sold as, and he hasn't done any of that. At least they haven't been able to use him like that, so disappointing for him. John, I just want you to admit you're just being contrarian because the answer was Peterman. You agree. You're just taking it an extra level. No. No, I think no, that's like, OK, then then you you're I, I'm going to say the guy that introduced Nathan Peterman's parents together. OK, oh, I win. I'm a higher level than you now. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's not just Peterman. It's the offense. He's making poor decisions on receiver on offensive linemen, like going back to training camp. Like, is you know, he's focusing on the defense. Sure, that's great. They're doing good. But. He's going to lose the locker room before long if he keeps neglecting the offense. Well, I like that point, John, about, you know, player person. And that kind of goes in with my point earlier about, you know, putting the emphasis on, on the wrong thing, like overanalyzing it. Like, stop. Like, why is Jeremy Curley not on the team anymore, right? They could obviously use him, you know, exactly. and, 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 they, and he, I imagine he's the one making that decision. It's not Brandon Bean doing it. I imagine that's Sean McDermott's team. And I think he's really neglected, uh, I, I wouldn't say he's more than Peterman to Mike's point, but I think that that's he definitely needs to be called out on that. And he and he did say after the game again, again, have to look at the tape. Yeah, hopefully he does. Hopefully he does and actually pays attention to it and actually makes some decisions about it. I tell you, he does a hell of a job clapping on the sidelines after every play. Oh, the greatest! <laughs> Nobody claps on the sidelines like Sean McDermott. Okay, nobody. All right, so we did our wall of blame. For the Bills' loss, um, let's go into our Wall of Fame. Do you guys have any Wall of Famers? Anyone that stood out that that uh, you thought had a good game today? I mean, I'll go first because <laughs> I want to. Because I actually have someone. I don't know if you guys have someone. Um, Lorenzo Alexander, the guy's been a standout again today. The guy is what thirty four years old. He's ancient. Luckily, he's played on special teams most of his career. It's the guys. The guys playing with this this fire and you know it's just uh, the guy's playing like he's like in in the middle of his in, in the prime of his career the guy had one and a half sacks today one tackle for loss you know three tackles altogether. he's constantly around the ball he had that one was it the batted interception that he caught to himself <laughs> like the guy's just everywhere he, he is great he's just an amazing player i'm so glad that the bills had have him as a linebacker as a pass rusher you know, as far as the defense goes, the defense had a great game, but I thought he stood out to me, even though there were some other really great plays and players on, on defense today that were always in Deshaun Watson's face. 
Um, John, what about you? Do you have anyone on your on your wall of fame for today's game? Uh, well, you made it easy for me for me because I was going to go with Alexander myself. Oh yeah, see, not contrarian all the time, Mike. Sometimes I bet, I bet Mike's going to go off course. I have no one. Nobody stood out to me. <laughs> the def- the whole defensive unit played well, but to an individual person, no. Like it was just soul crushing this game. Yeah, we're in it to the end, and they managed to snatch the defeat from the jaws of victory. It was just terrible all the way around. Yeah, it was definitely. It's definitely demoralizing for sure. I mean, finding Lorenzo Alexander on a on a good game, you know, like if this is a game that the Bills win, he might, you know, might be the MVP of the game. But yeah, that was tough. It was tough as Bills fans, man. So the next game that the Bills have is against the one in five Colts in Indianapolis at one PM. I guess as far as the bright side for the Bills loss, we like to do um the bright side segment for when the Bills lose. Always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. I just have to say, you know, this is just a clear, it's it's clear that, you know, Josh Allen is that much better of a quarterback than Nathan Peterman. I mean, we kind of knew that. That's nothing new. But it's just, if Allen's in the game, they might win this, this game still. So it's promising that he is the best quarterback on the team for sure. There's no question about it. I really hope he doesn't miss any time because he's he's come so far. He's done so much. I, I want to see him finish out the season and really get a good evaluation of him after, you know, 15 and a half games and see what, see what kind of quarterback he can become and, and, and basically... You know, it's clear. It's clear the Bills need talent on offense, and they're not going to get it this season. So, um, let's see if if he can maximize what he has, you know, around him. Yeah, Nate. Like the the future is bright. Like if if nothing else, we saw what Allen brings to the team when he's not there, and that means the future is pretty exciting. Like he's a dynamic player. He made a lot of plays with his feet. When he had to dragging big guys behind him, running for first downs, um, and he has a there's a snap on his ball to go down the field, and when he's out is a stark difference. It feels complete like a completely different game, and it looks like the players around him know and feel that difference too. So I think get him back as soon as we possibly can. Um, and we have a we could be in any game that we play with him back there. And I think in terms of the future two and four is not the end of the world, right? Especially with the Colts coming up next week, three and four, you're right back in it. Earlier this week, the LaShawn McCoy trade rumors really heated up after, after the bills win against the Titans. Um, and after Jay Ajayi of the Eagles tore his ACL, there was a lot of rumors that the, the Eagles were calling Buffalo to see if they could get LaShawn McCoy. They were asking about price. And, um, which made a lot of sense because, you know, the Eagles are very much alive, even at three and three, they're very much alive in the NFC East because that division is terrible. They won this last week, but, um, you know, I I was thinking about this beforehand is if the bills do lose this week, do you think that the, the LaShawn McCoy trade rumors will pick back up? Now there was a report out of Jason Locke on Fora this morning that said that the, the, the talks never really got close. I think the Bills were asking too much. I think the Eagles were kind of looking just to see what it would take to to get them, see if you know they could get them for basically almost nothing. And the Bills, of course, smart. Brandon Bean doesn't give players away for nothing, which is great. I guess you know. Do you guys see John? Do you see the the 
trade rumors building back up again now with the the Bills loss going to two and four and with Josh Allen possibly out for another week or two you know and and Peterman or Anderson starting I mean I I don't want to say that this is the end of the season because it's not but do you think that the this is a chance for the Bills to trade LaShawn McCoy to the Eagles or maybe to somebody else well I'm not so sure that they're gonna back off their their asking price you know it's tough you know he's 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 30, um, obviously still a really good player. So, you know, if they got good value for him, they'd be great. But at the same time, you know, how is Josh Allen going to develop when he already doesn't have much of an offensive line and zero receivers? And the only other guy on the offense is McCoy. Like, how is he going to progress? Exactly, without, without anything behind him, basically. I mean, Marcus Murphy, I think, would be a decent like starter or Chris Ivory in, in that case, but you're basically punting on the season. I think if you trade LaShawn McCoy, at least offensively, um, I just thought it was interesting that that, that had come up and, and I, I guess I kind of wouldn't be surprised if it does come up again, you know, let's see, let's see how this week goes. Um, you know, there's also that emotional component, which I've been reading a lot. You know, I tweeted out a few things and, and I, you know, I posted on Facebook, you know, what do you, what, what do people think, you know, would you be willing to trade LaShawn McCoy? And, you know, there's a big contingency of Bills fans, and myself included, that has this kind of emotional attachment. I don't know if other fans are like this. I think Bills fans are the only ones like this because <laughs> they're like some of the best fans out there. But it's like, you know, we kind of want, you know, the best for LaShawn McCoy too. And you kind of want him to go to a contender because if you don't think the Bills are going to be contender, you know that LaShawn McCoy has not won a Super Bowl before. He has not won a title. And... You know, he is 30, like you said, John. So, you know, is this the, do you trade him so he has a chance to play with another team and actually go somewhere and do well and possibly make a deep run in the playoffs? And I wouldn't be completely against that. I, I think there's there's a definitely emotional human element, that, uh, part of me that says, I want him to do well. I've really enjoyed his time here. Um, I know he's going to be here next year based on his contract, but I, I wouldn't be opposed to, to him going to a contender like Philly. And I know that he has a special tie to Philadelphia. And I think that he, when all, all is said and done, he's going to retire a Philadelphia Eagle. So I'd be okay with, I mean, not for nothing, of course, not for like a sixth or fifth round pick, but maybe like a second or a third and a player, maybe. I don't know. Asking price, I, I guess, you know, I'd want something in return. I'd want I'd want a player. I mean, I was looking at, you know, the, the Philadelphia Eagles wide receivers just for fun, right? And Kamar Aiken is one of their like third or fourth wide receivers. And I think he might be like the number one wide receiver on the pills, you know? So trade us a third and like Kamar Aiken. And used I think to play for the Bills. used to exactly. So, so bring him back here. Bring LaShawn back to Philadelphia. Bring Kamar back you're, here. Nate, you're absolutely crazy. That's insane. Like as much, maybe as you as a person want the best for McCoy, that's great. But the buyer pays more if they if they have that that history and that emotional attachment. It's not on us; that's on them. All, all about the buyer, like that's in the price. Then then they can offer more if they want him or he wants to do it. If he wants to go, take less money. Don't don't sign with the bills. I don't. I'm just. It's not us that's that needs to be making concessions. Yeah, I. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, it's the buyer, not the seller. I guess is what I'm saying. They're the ones. The, that, the deal could easily get done, but it shouldn't. It shouldn't be incumbent on the Bills to give up more than 
fair market. Yeah, especially, you're right, because we're in the driver's seat. They're the ones that need a running back, and we have a running back. You're right. Um, I just, I don't know, I, I just have the human element, like the, the a component where I want to see him do well, and I don't think that this is the year. I think next year might be it, but I don't know if this is the year for him to, I don't know, you know, especially with running backs, their careers are so short. And him getting to thirty years old is is a is a feat in itself. I don't know how many years he has left. And yes, I mean, I, I would want him to 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 make another playoff run with the Bills and maybe a ch- possible championship run. But and I mean, we also have to be realistic here. I don't think it's going to happen this season necessarily. And you know, I I don't know. I don't know. I I, I want next him year. next year's the year. Next year, exactly. So you know, uh, but. But to Mike's point, if you do trade LaShawn McCoy, you are pretty much giving up the season, you know, and it's, and you definitely don't want to see that because what is the offense? What is the, how does the rest of this team of the defense, you know, if, if I'm a defender, you know, I'm going to try my best. Sure. But like, maybe I try not to get hurt so much, or I don't put my body on the line as much, you know, because I don't want to get injured before, you know, this six and 10 season. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just something that I was curious. It was a big deal earlier this week. I don't know if the rumors are going to go away. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, two the, and four is not the world, especially with the Colts next week. Three and four, you're you're in it. Especially if we get Allen back. Exactly. Especially, hope, well, hopefully Allen comes back because, uh, and if not, Derek Anderson starts because I can't Pro see. Pro Bowler, Derek Anderson. All right, cool, cool. Well, I mean, on that note, I mean. A good way to end the podcast. So, all right. Well, signing off for John. Go Bills. For Mike. Go Bills. Three, four, three and four next week. And for me, Nate, schedule does get much easier after this week. So, I mean, you know, you got the Colts. Of course, you have the Pats after that. But then, you know, you start getting into divisional games. And there's some very winnable games late in the season. Let's just hope that they can somehow, you know, pull off a win against Indy and maybe go 500 after the Pats. Let's hope. So for me, Nate, go Bills. Thanks for listening. Again, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you hear us. Thanks for listening. Go Bills. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills.